shaped like a shamrock built of Irish timbers and inlaid with an image of Erin with harp. They don't come much more Irish than Fletcher's shamrock table. Sadly, when the piece was first exhibited in Ireland, the price was too rich for the natives and the table was packed off across the Atlantic, fetching up at the 1853 World's Fair in New York City, a state of affairs so sad that it inspired poet Daniel Casey to compose a ballad to the table. Auctioneer Philip Shepard helped culture files Eleanor Flegg decode the story of the furniture that inspired Casey's lament on Fletcher's shamrock table on its departure for the New York exhibition. Who can wonder the harp of old Erin should sleep, that the wail of her dirge should resound o'er the deep, that trampled and slighted her children should be, that to earth's farthest climes they despairingly flee, when we witness, with sorrow, a gem of the isle, on which national spirit should lavishly smile, which all of true feelings should proudly have prized, neglected, dishonoured, unpurchased, despised. The table was made specifically for an exhibition that was held in Cork. Uh, we know that it was uh, made specifically for that because it's extremely and exceptionally well recorded. We know who the maker was. He was a cabinet maker that was located in Patrick Street in Cork. Um, his name uh, was John Fletcher. The exhibition in Cork was the national exhibition used to promote local industries. Uh, it was at the suggestion of a Cork businessman called Daniel Corbett and was promoted by, in particular, by the local MP, John Francis Maguire. Uh, John Francis Maguire uh, was the founder of the Cork Examiner, and he wrote extensively. And this is how we happen to know as much as we do about the table, because uh, Maguire produced the book the following year. The pillar of this table is a natural limb of an oak tree, branching from which are three stems one of the branches remarkably resembling the stem of the shamrock. A border of ivy leaves carved in walnut forms an appropriate rim around the underside of the top. The whole rests on a walnut tripod plinth on which are carved in lime tree, three statuette figures representing an Irish bard with his harp, inciting to deadly conflict two ancient warriors. In many ways, it is an artwork insofar as it encapsulates a movement or a understanding of the world at a point in time. So we have just come at the tail end of the Great Famine, 1847, right through to 1851. This table we know was made in 1851-1852. And the motifs that are employed in this uh, as a shamrock. It's inlaid on the tabletop with a harp and with a ponderous woman, symbolic of Ireland. I think that it generated conflicting narratives at the time, because if you read Daniel Casey's ballad, He's depicting the table as an unfortunate immigrant cast aside, unwanted in Ireland, and being sent to Colombia, the land of the fearless and free. 
So it's about a new future in America and it's about immigration really. He's presenting it as a migrant table. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And maybe, maybe people are shocked and horrified that nobody wanted it at the exhibition, that it failed to sell. And now it has to go to America in, in the hope of finding uh, some place that it's appreciated and a new owner. And maybe it did, and maybe it was returned. We, we, we just don't know. But if, if, if Casey is to be believed, it failed to be appreciated in Ireland, and it failed to be purchased here by anybody. John Francis McGuire writes about it, he takes a different tack. He talks it up. He looks at that table as the proud ambassador for Ireland with our symbolism and our native timbers and our craftsmanship. So he's kind of putting a different angle on the table going to America. Well, it's probably important to remember that McGuire was a politician and uh, McGuire... Uh, was an advocate of Irish industrial stuff and maybe realised if he talks it down that that only reinforces uh, uh, the rejection of Irish goods. There is a wonderful drawing of the table in New York. So this is kind of like a third strand or the third shamrock leaf of the narrative. It's a visual one and it shows the table on a plinth in the exhibition with a very severe gentleman with mutton chop sideburns and his top hat held behind him staring down at it. It's a wonderful image of a piece of Irish art being seriously regarded in New York. Indeed it is. And it's very striking that they would choose that particular object to, to include it in the magazine and that it gets featured in it and that's what's selected for it and that's what's shown. But the ladies are viewing it and, and you get the sense that, that they want to buy it and that the gentleman who is staring at it in such a way he's pondering whether or not he should acquire it or not. You get that sense. But it's, it's a very powerful image. You would know that as an auctioneer. You know the look of acquisition on somebody's face. Well, sometimes you do, but it doesn't always work. But certainly the, the stance, the pose of that man is consistent with somebody who is seriously thinking about buying it. And, and that's part of the power of the image because that draws you into the image and it also sort of forces you to look at what he's looking at. Uh, and and wonder why is he looking so intently at this? This must be important. So it engages you also. In fine, where our shamrock neglected at home, or the foaming Atlantic is driven to roam, it will be cherished and blessed in a far distant sphere. Its leaves once more blooming, fresh, verdant and fair, and prized as immortal green shamrocks should be in Colombia the land of the fearless and free. Philip Shepherd there talking to Eleanor Flagg and John Fletcher's Shamrock Table will go under the hammer in Shepherd's Great Irish Interiors Auction in April. <laughs> 